You are listening to a Hippily Horror Stories Patreon bonus preview. If you like what you're hearing, stick around to the end to find out how you can get more. Hey guys, welcome to episode 852 of Hillbilly Shorts. Hello. Tracy, we're going to stay in Charleston. Okay, let's do it. No, seriously, when we go on a way to <laughs> We are going to stay there, stay huh? <laughs> you know, we, Mike Brown is obviously a tour guide down there, mm-hmm. and we're going to visit Mike's. But then we also had uh, a gentleman, Nick, who wrote me that he's also a tour guide down there, and he's been on Mike's show. Oh, well, so that's awesome. So we're going to do his tour one night and Mike's the next night. Well, that sounds awesome. So, I cannot wait. Yeah, it'll be fun. All right. Plus, Mike's going to be on the show. We've been trying to hook up for like two weeks now. I know. Or I said, Mike, Nick, Nick's going to be on the show. We're going to mm-hmm. re- record next week. We're supposed to record today, but he had, his dog had to go to the vet. And he didn't, Hope everything's okay. Yeah, everything's fine. He didn't want to leave his side, though. No, I don't blame him. On his head. Oh, oh so, I don't blame him. All right, so this story's called The Lady in White. You've probably never heard about this before. Shoot. In the fall of 1906, Edward Withridge of Mount Pleasant became ill. He lived with Mary, his wife of 30 years, in a small town just a short ferry ride across the Cooper River. The sickness came on so gradually that he didn't even notice its severity until one day that he could scarcely breathe. Just making his way up the stairs to his bedroom became a dreaded ordeal. Lying in bed in the middle of the night, he often hacked so loudly that he startled his wife and jolted her upright. Edward rode his own blend of South Carolina tobacco. Lighting a cigarette was his first action every morning. He stamped one out before closing his eyes each night. Mary pleaded with him to stop. The doctors also suggested that he quit. But they lacked the diagnostic technology to know the cause of his illness with the scientific certainty. That's the way my dad was. Mm -hmm. Because it was like, um, well, if you can't prove it to me, then I'm just going to assume this ain't ain't the issue. Yep. The best diagnosis that they offered was that he was a general consumptive. They advised him to stop smoking, but only if he felt it might be interfering with his recovery from this mysterious consumption, which would have been tuberculosis. At the time, Mary was 61 years old and not in good health herself. She could breathe normally, but oftentimes she felt lightheaded even after the mildest exercise. She lamented her husband's decline because their marriage of over 30 years had been a joyous one. She also feared it. She did not want to live her remaining years alone and without his physical assistance. She alternated the tactics of her assaults on his smoking between harsh nagging and soft appeal. Whenever Mary brought it up, Edward defensively recounted the doctor's hedge advice. Then he would add, My father lived into his 80s and he smoked his whole life. He loved his wife, had no desire to die, and did not consider his smoking to be the cause of his illness, so he kept smoking. Soon, Edward became so sick that he strained for each breath. In a desperate attempt to find a cure to the mysterious consumption, Mary convinced him to go to Baltimore. She hoped that the renowned physicians at John Hopkins would find a cure for his illness. Edward boarded a ship, leaving from Charleston Harbor on the evening of January 11, 1907. He never made it to Baltimore. He died en route Hmm. two days later. Not of asphyxiation, but of a heart attack. In the autopsy, 
the doctors in Baltimore revealed a gummed and bloated heart, tired from all the years of tar and nicotine exposure. Oh. And she wasn't with him, right? No. Oh. And even sadder fact about Edward's death is that no one came to claim his remains. Wait, what? Officials from the Baltimore morgue sent a letter to Mary, but received no response. They kept his body for 30 days, then buried him in the expen- at the expense of the Baltimore's taxpayers. Mary never received the letter. On January 13th, on her way up the stairs to the bedroom, Mary's breathing became strained. Before she made it into bed, she clutched her chest and collapsed. She and her husband died of heart failure on the exact same day. What? Mary Whitridge's body lies in an iron-gated Whitridge family plot in the center of the Unitarian Church graveyard in Charleston. Next to her is an empty space where her husband's grave should be. During life, Mary and Edward enjoyed taking strolls after church through the Unitarian's lush foliage and the Cascades over headstones and brick walkways. Because of fate's unfortunate timing, husband and wife reside far apart from each other in death. What I got out of that is the fact that she nagged him to the point that he left to go to Baltimore where that wouldn't have happened. So, the ghost of Mary Whitridge radiates a brilliant white aura. She hovers effortlessly over the dense foliage that surrounds the Unitarian Church. However, a sharp feeling of tension accompanies her bright manifestations in in the graveyard. The pure whiteness of her spirit is a beautiful thing to behold. At the same time, she permeates the area around her with a lost, wandering sadness. Many mediums or sensitives, as they sometimes prefer to be called, venture into the, the florid graveyard with us on the ghost of the Charleston tour. They attributed this haunting to the power of love to exist beyond the grave. Mary Whitridge exists in her own world of sad searching, looking for her lost soulmate. Unfortunately, the action that might allow her to rest, her husband's exhumation and relocation from Baltimore to the Unitarian Graveyard in Charleston, is unlikely. She also exists to protect or to warn those who are in the danger of dying, as her husband did. Dan Peterson of Peterson Antiques on the corner of King and Fulton Streets feels grateful to the Lady in White in the following interview. He described an event that occurred in September 1985 at 10.30 p.m., that proved to be life-changing. He said, I was walking home from my store late one night after doing some inventory work. As I usually did, I cut through the Unitarian graveyard. It is not only scenic, but also a quick shortcut back to my apartment. I was right in the dense area near the border of the Lutherian graveyard where the foliage is very thick and weedy. I had my Zippo lighter out and was just getting ready to light up a cigarette. It was then that I saw the ghost. Ed Macy says, what did he look like? Or what did it look like? She was aglow with whitish light from the head down to her feet. But the thing was, the thing that made me stare was the way she was moving. She was undulating, moving side to side very slowly in waves. It looked so strange and intriguing that I started walking towards the apparition. The closer I got to it, the more it began to fade to the extreme darkness of the churchyard. By the time I got to where it had been, it was completely gone. It just vanished into thin air. 
I then realized I was standing almost literally on a gravestone. On a whim, I can't explain, I flicked a lighter to read the stone. The grave I was standing on belonged to a man named Edward Ferry. I knew him. We were acquaintances in school over at St. Andrews High School years ago. I knew he had passed smoking in bed. He died in the fire. I didn't know he was buried right behind my store. I crumpled the cigarette in my pocket. I never lit it. I never smoked another cigarette again to this day, almost 14 years later. I think the lady in white was trying to tell me something. She wanted to show me the grave for a reason. I've always considered her as sort of a guardian angel. She may well have saved me from death by smoking. Wow. Well, good for her. But I'm sure they were together real soon once they both passed. Well, I mean, just because you're not buried together doesn't yeah. mean you're not. Yeah, true. You know. That's so crazy that they both passed at the, on the same day. And I'm sure that's actually true. I mean, mm-hmm. cause some of these things are folklore and legend and all that, but I'm, I'd am i almost be willing to bet that's a fact. Yeah. So, anyways, thank you guys. We appreciate you joining in on us. Yep. And don't smoke. Yep. Hey, guys, if you like what you just heard, we do six of those small bonus episodes every single week. We also do two full-length bonus episodes every month. We do a listener stories episode and then a story that's just, just like the ones you would typically hear on the regular feed. If you're interested in supporting us on Patreon, just go to patreon.com and look up Hillbilly Horror Stories or go to hillbillyhorrorstories.com and there's a direct link right there. Thank you guys so much for what you do for us.